0: To the girl who hates those hot dog leg selfies and just wants to snap up a hot deal.
1: Oh, there's another one.
0: Hashtag rest assured at Summer Girl 38. Message received. And to the working man who hasn't had a vacay in what feels like forever.
2: It's just been so busy.
0: Rest I- assured busy bee. I got gotcha. you. Please don't call me that. Whatever you're planning this summer, for a better rate, make it Maldrin. Join now and save 10 euro at MaldrinHotels.com. Terms and conditions apply. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by the ever-changing world of technology? Tech It Out can help make some sense of it all. Breaking down geek speak into street speak, technology columnist, author, and TV personality Mark Saltzman covers consumer technology each week for every listener. Mark tackles the latest news, reviews, and how-tos to help you understand what's hot, what's not, and why.
3: Hey everyone, welcome to Tech It Out, episode number 41. Powered by Asus, Tech It Out is a nationally syndicated radio show via the Radio American Network, as well as an on-demand podcast. However you're tuning in, Thanks for joining us. Speaking of ASUS, we'll touch base with them in a minute about a new rugged laptop that they've got in the market. Also this hour, we'll catch up with Bill Nye, the science guy. We'll also touch base with Norton about common online privacy myths. And we'll also talk with Sodi about privacy concerns as well, especially in light of the Cambridge Analytica data breach for Facebook users. That's all coming up this hour on Tech It Out. All right, let's kick things off. When it comes to buying a laptop today, you have a ton of choice. What brand do you invest in? What operating system? How much computing power do you need? What screen size to go with? And so on and so forth. And so one of the goals of this show and podcast is to help demystify technology for everyone. We all know it can be overwhelming. And so if you're in the market to upgrade your laptop, there's never been a better time. And to tell us all about the new Asus b 9440 a smart laptop option, we're joined by Jeff Kobayashi. He is the product marketing manager at Asus. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be here. So before we talk about the B9440, which is, I know, a model that uh, has a promotion right now. We're going to get to all of that later. Tell us what people want out of their laptops today, generally speaking. What are some of the key features people want?
4: Hi, that's a great question. Um, I think a lot of the great features that people want is kind of the standard things that everyone's looking for. You know, more hard drive, you know, larger hard drive, you know, a lot of RAM, um, a device that's sleek, lightweight, and durable. Um, and a great screen. Um, I think those are definitely some of the main features that people are looking for. Oh, and on top of that, um, fast processor.
3: A fast processor, for sure. So, in other words, no, yeah. tra- no trade-offs. People want a thin and light laptop that's nice to look at, yet under the hood, they want lots of power. You mentioned RAM or system memory, which helps with speed and performance, uh, along with the processor itself, the CPU. Uh, that People want good graphics. They want long-lasting batteries. So, it's it's no easy task it seems for companies like Asus to give uh, what people want uh, and keep the price down. So, with that in mind, let's dive into the B nine four forty. Tell us about this new laptop.
4: Sure. So the B9440, it's it comes from our ASUS Pro line, and originally it is it was made for kind of the high-end executives, uh, CEO of large companies, um, kind of the uh, inter- it's basically an enterprise-level laptop, and so. Um, with this in mind, it was, it's it been built and designed for these high-end type of business people. So it has military spec durability, spill-resistant keyboard. Um, it's got the great CPU, RAM, and hard drive that uh, we mentioned and talked about earlier. Um, and it's just made for pretty much the everyday uh, working professional. Um, but now, you know, the reason why I'm on the show with you is now it's available for the everyday consumer.
3: Oh, okay, got it. Now, I know your consumer brand of laptops are often called ZenBook, the Asus ZenBook series, like the one I'm staring at right now, the Asus ZenBook Flip S, which is my laptop that I mm-hmm. love. But I noticed that the B9440 or B9440, this is a, an enterprise grade laptop. So, it, did you drop the ZenBook name?
4: It, it's built slightly different than the ZenBook, but essentially it has all the bells and whistles of a ZenBook. It's just made for business. So, for example, it's got very similar RAM, hard drive, um, and CPU specs uh, just like the ZenBook, and same goes for the screen. It has really good, um, really good thin bezel screen just like uh, the ZenBook line that we have. But it does have those few extra bells and whistles, um, like the military uh, durability and the spill-resistant keyboard. That's something that is unique to the ASUS Pro, again the enterprise um, enterprise customer in mind, and that's something that the uh, ZenBook does not have. So, got it. In um, that way, in that sense, you know, it's slightly different than the ZenBook.
3: Right. So I wouldn't bring my Flip S onto the battlefield but the b9 440 so all kidding aside you said it's you know military specs but is this for the military or i think you said it's really for executives and even students probably right
4: yeah so that's a great question um the B9, just it, the military spec is is just a standard of durability. It's not necessarily meant for uh, the military per se to take out onto the battlefield, but it does meet um, a strict requirement such as uh, it, it has the ability to withstand a, a drop from 3.9 feet, and it can take up to, I believe, 60 cc's worth of liquid onto the keyboard without it damaging it. So if you spill something on it, you just tilt the, the laptop on its and then the liquid would drain out and then you let it dry and then you just keep on going.
3: Oh, wow. Okay. So... Mm -hmm. Military specs doesn't mean it's meant for battle or for the military. It just means it's got that extra durability, that extra ruggedness that certainly would come in handy for anyone who travels like myself. You know, I just stepped off a plane a couple hours ago. You're running through airports. Things can happen, right? So it's good to have that. If you're going to invest in a laptop, you're going to want something that can withstand the bumps and grinds of everyday life.
4: Yeah. No, No. 100%.
3: All right, so the B9 440 has the high-end features found in Asus' ZenBook line. What are some of those features and specs? Um, usually with a laptop, they start at a certain amount, and then you can always add more. So does it have, for example, an Intel Core processor?
4: Yes, it does. It does have an Intel Core processor. It has an i5 and an i7. Uh, available.
3: Okay, so the higher the number, the more power we're talking about, just in plain English. So yep. uh, a Core i7 yep. is more ideal for things like handling more complex tasks like 4K video editing or online gaming, things like that, compared to an i5, which is more of a good all-around uh, processor. As for RAM <laughs> or system memory, how much does it start at, and can you build that up if you want?
4: Yeah, it, it starts off with uh, an eight RAM, uh, eight gigabyte RAM option, and then it goes up to sixteen gigabytes.
3: We're on the line with Jeff Kobayashki. He is the product marketing manager at Asus. We're talking about a new laptop called the B9440. It's an enterprise-level laptop, a professional mobile device that uh, it has lots of power under the hood. And it's got durability as well, including a spill-resistant keyboard um, and just premium materials all around. Now, you used the word hard drive a couple of uh, moments ago, Jeff. But I think the trend in the laptop space is to go towards SSD or solid-state drive. Does this computer have a traditional hard drive or SSD or both?
4: It has a tr- It has a, an SSD, you are correct. Okay. So, so it has an SSD. SSD is the only option available.
3: Yeah, that's what I have in my uh, ZenBook. And there's a lot of advantages of an SSD over a HDD or hard disk drive. Can you tell us about some of them?
4: Sure. Well, one of the quickest, one of the things that you'll notice the most about SSD is its ability to boot up faster and pull and run programs a lot faster. So, in SSD you get that kind of instantaneous um, uh, pull of information from the hard drive, and there's very little lag. So, when you open up everything from like a, a Word doc to opening up Photoshop, everything will just uh, pull faster, and you'll be able to access it a lot quicker, and it'll get that kind of snappy performance. Uh, that you're used to getting in a high-end laptop.
3: I think there's also, speaking of durability, it's less prone to damage an SSD because there's no moving parts. Um, it's, it's no spinning disk like a hard drive. It's also uh, smaller, quieter, um, better uh, on energy efficiency. So it sips rather than gulps power. So it's better on your overall battery life. And speaking of battery life, how is the B9 440 in the battery department?
4: Uh, I I personally think it's great. It's got about 10 hours of battery life, but it does depend on what you're doing. You know, if you're doing a lot of video editing uh, unplugged, it might not last as long as 10 hours. But if you're doing your general, you know, Word doc, checking email, uh, surfing the Internet, it should last uh, all day.
3: And what operating system runs on this device?
4: Uh, On this device, it runs Windows 10 Pro exclusively. So it's the only option available.
3: Okay. So I understand that the prices start at 999 for the Core i5 version of this laptop and the Core i7 starts at 1299, but I know that you wanted to share with our listeners a promotion going on for the Core i7 version, the higher end one.
4: Yeah, uh, no, correct. Uh, I, uh, from five six to five nineteen, we're taking uh, two hundred ninety nine dollars off of the i seven version. So, for a limited time while supplies last, you'll be able to get all the benefits of the i seven features, but at the i five price.
3: Oh, okay. So from May the sixth to May the nineteenth, if you buy the mm-hmm. if you buy this uh, ASUS computer, the B nine four forty, it's. 9.99 for the i7 version when that's usually the price for the less powerful i5. So it's it's 9.99 for the core i7 version and that's this promotion. So it's almost 300 dollars off. Yep, that's correct. Okay, and then what's the best website to buy it? Or is this a retail promotion?
4: Um, you can. It's going to be uh, at every retailer that that we that we work with. So it, it'll be available on uh, you know Best Buy, Amazon. Uh, B&H, Adorama, it'll uh, be available at Fry's, Um, it'll be, yeah, at every major retailer that we work with.
3: All right, and the model number, once again, is the B9440, so no space or anything, just if if somebody Googled Asus, A-S-U-S, B9440, they'll find this computer. Yep, correct. All right, Jeff Kobayashi, Product Marketing Manager at Asus, thank you very much for your time.
4: Thanks. Appreciate
3: it. When we return on Tech It Out, it's Bill Nye, the science guy. So hang tight. A lot more Tech It Out to come. Stay with us. Listen to
0: Tech It Out whenever you want. Find the Tech It Out podcast at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Welcome back to Tech It Out. This show is brought to you by Asus, creating technology for today and tomorrow's smart life. Asus, for those in search of incredible, visit asus.com slash US slash radio for more info. That's asus.com forward slash US forward slash radio. He's adored by millions around the world as the jovial bowtie-wearing science educator. Bill Nye the Science Guy, a.k.a. William Sanford Nye, is best known as host of the PBS Children's Science Show in the 90s, and now Bill Nye Saves the World on Netflix. I caught up with Bill Nye in Toronto at a Nintendo event tied to the launch of Nintendo Labo, a series of DIY kits that work with the Nintendo Switch platform. All right, thank you so much for your time. How's your day going so far?
1: Fabulous, fabulously. Lead- in adverbial sense.
3: (laughs) And why is that? You've been enjoying playing around with the tech toys? Did you play with them at all? I haven't yet, no. Yeah,
1: yeah. So this is called the Nintendo Labo. You take everybody's favorite controller, which is the Nintendo Switch product, and you buy this kit. It's got sheets of cardboard, and you make these devices. These, um, a fishing rod, the remote control car. The robot is big fun, it's kind of athletic, and the, um, the piano is good. You make these things yourself from these kits. And so the cardboard is um, a material. It's very friendly material, and then you incorporate. They have pockets or holsters for the Joy-Con controllers, and uh, it's fun. The kids went crazy. Kids and kids at heart, no doubt. Yeah, well, I had a lot of fun. So after you play with it for a few hours, you start making your own things. Mm -hmm. So it
3: fuses the physical with the virtual. This is a trend we've seen in in other experiments from from Nintendo and others. Is that important to have that tangible well, I thing? I think
1: it's important. I mean, and Nintendo must think it important or they wouldn't have produced this product. But as an educator like oh, yourself. Yeah. Well, I yeah. say, I yeah. think it's very important. Yeah. I mean, I'm a mechanical engineer. I'm a tinkerer. I tink. <laughs> so this is uh, right up my alley. I love this stuff.
3: Yeah. Do you think this helps promote or sharpen STEM skills that are so important today, the science, technology, engineering, and math?
1: Well, we'll see. That is certainly Nintendo's goal. But I th- I'm not... I didn't design these, but I imagine their goal is to A, sell stuff, That people want. And B, I think their hearts are in the right place. They want people to get engaged with making things.
3: Right. If it's been proven in the past with other products that if it's not fun, as educational as it may be, no kid is going to lift it up a second time.
1: This thing is cool. The Nintendo Labo is cool. Try it, as we like to say.
3: That's maybe why they tapped you to help tell the stories, because it's fun and educational.
1: You may be right. (laughs) You may be right.
3: How do you feel about uh, screen time, generally speaking? Speaking. I, again, I'm just going back to the tangible. As an engineer, what, do you, what what's your take on that?
1: Well, what we want is for people not to spend more than 20 minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. It is literally bad for your eyes, more than 20 minutes at a time looking at the screen. So when you build a Nintendo Labo things, you look at the screen to get instructions, and then you make something. So you never look at the screen for more than a few moments. Mm-hmm. And this is... My experience is kids have no trouble with the Nintendo Switch. They go really fast with it. And that was what surprised me and impressed me today is how easily they got the instructions. Instructions are on the screen, and then you make the cardboard things uh, with your hands. I guess you could use your nose for some of it, but I didn't. What would be your favorite thing? It sounds like the robot may be it for you. Uh, the robot is they're, each one has its own charm. You'll find, if you get a fishing rod, you'll find yourself fishing for quite a while. Fifteen minutes will go by and you didn't even notice it.
3: So since this is radio, um, can you explain what we see on the screen after you build a fishing rod? Do you see the virtual fish, for example?
1: You see a virtual ocean. You drop your hook into the virtual ocean. Mm -hmm. And then virtual fish come and nibble on your virtual hook. And you swing the fishing rod back and forth. You pull it up and down. You reel. You unreel, And the fishing rod goes... I mean, the hook goes up and down, side to side. And the real what you want is to hook the small fish so that the big fish will get the small fish. Then you get more points. Then when you reel the virtual fish out of the virtual ocean, it measures and weighs it. And then the fish escapes. It's catch and release of an electronic fish. What's not to love?
3: And you don't feel guilty because there's no real worms that you're putting on a hook?
1: There are no worms. Uh, I don't know how guilty you feel about worms. Uh, but uh, the hook is, is somehow magically baited <laughs> all the time.
3: Last question. There seems to be a disconnect today, uh, both in the U.S. And, and in Canada, which is there are tens of thousands of unfilled I.T. jobs out there, yet there's a three-year youth unemployment high. There's a lot of kids who are just lying around on their parents' uh, sofas not, not being qualified. How do we bridge that gap where we can get more men and women eligible for these amazing IT jobs.
1: Well, so this is what we talk about all the time. The acronym is STEM, 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 Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. So uh, one thing we can do everywhere is start teaching algebra earlier. There's a... Algebra is the single most reliable indicator of whether... Success in algebra is the most reliable indicator of whether or not you will pursue a career in technology, math, and science. And that's probably, it's speculative, it's probably because by thinking about numbers abstractly, it enables you to think about all sorts of things abstractly. And writing computer code and designing mechanical things takes some abstract thinking. Everything that you see in your built environment, as it's called, came out of somebody's head. Somebody thought of every shape. And uh, a lot of those people were engineers, most of them. Mm -hmm. Architects, what have you, civil engineers. So uh, we want people to be engaged in math and science.
3: Hey, I really appreciate your time. I hope you have a good rest of your day here. It's fabulous. Carry on. (laughs) Thank you again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hang tight for more Tech It Out coming up after this. Want to follow Mark? Google him. Mark
0: with a C and Saltzman with a Z. Down Geek Speak into Street Speak. This is Tech It Out, Tech It Out, with technology columnist, author, and TV personality Mark Saltzman.
3: So you've probably heard of the Cambridge Analytica scandal, the unauthorized access of Facebook user data from about 50 million accounts, and then Facebook not coming clean about it when it was discovered to shine a bright spotlight on how much personal data we're sharing or oversharing and what's being done with that information. My next guest, Carl Rodriguez, is the president and CEO of SODI. It's a mobile and iot or internet of things company and he's here to discuss the impact of the technology and social networks that we so freely have given access to our lives welcome to the show carl Uh, thank you thank you for having me now before we get to your opinion on all of this and perhaps some actionable elements for our listeners tell us about soti that's s-o-t-i what's the company all about
2: So, we make software to really allow big enterprise customers to remotely uh, manage, you know, their mobile devices that they use, typically for their core business operations. And when I mean manage, um, with our software, they can set security policies, they can uh, control access, and and really uh, prevent, you know, malicious use of their technology and, and really protect their data.
3: All right. So, are we talking about MDM, Mobile Device Management, here, where it helps? Helps a, a company better control and manage what their employees are doing on their mobile devices?
2: Well, MDM was actually the older term, so uh, mobile device management. Uh, so now uh, it's called enterprise mobility management. And uh, really, enterprise mobility management is a superset of MDM. So it, it includes, uh, let's say, a, a number of other types of security provisions to really, uh, really manage the data um, that that is used by an app, and to make sure it's in properly encrypted, and and, and uh, a whole bunch of other things, really, that are relate to security, but also really to uh, help enterprise manage the day-to-day, uh, their day-to-day, you know, mobile operations.
3: Okay, and it is. It is true that we're increasingly using our mobile devices to manage our business, opposed to a few years ago, which would probably exclusively be on a computer of some sort. So hence the importance of software to help an employer monitor what employees are are doing, where they are, and protect the company information because it is at risk, especially as it's so mobile.
2: Yeah, so when you look at, um, enterprise mobility management, um, there's, if you like, two categories. So there's, um, the category where, you know, it's a personal device, you know, so it has some of your personal information. Uh, in that case, what the software is used to manage is the corporate side of the footprint on that device. So for, for example, there could be some corporate data, there could be some corporate apps and mobility management solution, you can set policies, the company can set policies to manage that corporate side, really, but without having any access at all to the, the, the your personal data that may be on the phone, right? So, so um, you know, if it's a personal device, obviously, you don't want the corporation to be able to, uh, you know, see any of the personal things, your, your family picks and, and those sort of things on the device. But there's another use of enterprise mobility management, and, and that's when the device is a dedicated device device for for business. So you might think about uh, a nurse in a hospital uh, who uses the device exclusively to deliver patient meds or a courier who has a dedicated device to really deliver your parcels. Um, In that case, uh, enterprise mobility management can be used to really do a a much more detailed management of of the device so they can, uh, for example, if the courier has a problem Uh, With the solution, you can remote in, you can see the screen of the device, and you can do remote troubleshooting. You can watch what the user is doing and those sort of things.
3: Got it. All right. So let's shift gears now. With this Facebook scandal in mind, Carl, you wrote a piece that appeared in the Globe and Mail that suggests data equals power. Is data the world's new currency? Absolutely you know um, uh,
2: with with data there's so much insight that companies and businesses uh, and really any organization that really wants to target um, you know, a particular, uh, you know, type of people, uh, a, a type of lifestyle, a particular, you know, anything you can target it. Right. And so there's, uh, more and more, uh, of this kind of stuff going on around in the world. And, and I think it's, there's uh, a need for a bit of awareness, you know, when we go on our social networks and when we use our phones and, and we use apps, you
3: know, what kind of data can be collected about us? Yeah, again, no one's putting a gun to our head to use these services, and clearly there are trade-offs. So thank you for that, Carl. Carl Rodriguez is the president and CEO of SOTI. The website to learn more about your company is SOTI.net, SOTI.net. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Carl. Appreciate it. Hey, for the remaining moments I have on this segment, I wanted to chat about a great deal on a SanDisk product at BestBuy.com. SanDisk, by the way, is one of the sponsors of Tech It Out. And you might not have even heard about this really cool product, a smart, clever idea. It's called the SanDisk Connect Wireless Flash, which starts at just $39. All right, so stop me if this sounds familiar. You love your smartphone or tablet, but you keep running out of space to hold all your files. After all, most devices are limited to just a few dozen gigabytes of internal storage, which is hardly enough to hold a lot of your videos, photos, music, podcasts, and eBooks and your apps, of course. Even worse, Apple's iPhone and iPad don't let you pop in a memory card for added storage, so you're stuck with what you buy. Fortunately, there is a simple and affordable solution to this common problem, and it's called the SanDisk Connect Wireless Flash. Not only does it add more storage to your phone or tablet wirelessly, but it also serves as a media streamer for multiple devices, which I'll get to in a moment. It's slightly larger than a regular USB thumb drive, but the SanDisk Connect Wireless flash emits a wi-fi signal allowing multiple devices to access content at the same time off that one drive and password protected if you like the first thing you do is plug it into a USB port of a Windows PC or Mac, and then you can copy over your TV shows, movies, music, videos, songs, audiobooks, photos, documents, and so on. When you're done, unplug it and take it to go, like you would any other flash drive. But now, wherever life takes you, you press a button on the side, a little light flashes, and then you can access everything off that drive via the free SanDisk app for iOS and Android, or through a computer's web browser if you like. I love that you don't even need a wireless network as the Sandisk drive makes its own wi-fi direct connection which other devices join and stream from therefore one application for this product is keeping the kids entertained on a road trip imagine reducing the are we there yet from the back seat because up to three kids can now watch or listen to what they want on their own device streaming from this small stick another cool feature is the ability to automatically back up photos and videos off your smartphone to the Sandisk device so you can free up more memory on your phone to capture more memories the sandisk connect wireless stick starts at 32 gigs for $39 and goes all the way up to 128 gigs for $99 more info is at sandisk.com or at bestbuy.com all right we're going to be right back with more tech it out when we talk with norton stay with us you're listening to tech it out on the radio american network
0: breaking down geek speak into street speak check it out hosted by mark saltzman
3: Welcome back to Tech It Out, everyone. This show is brought to you by ASUS, creating technology for today and tomorrow's smart life. ASUS, for those in search of incredible. Visit asus.com slash US slash radio for more info. That's asus.com forward slash US forward slash radio. So last week in USA Today, I wrote about common online privacy myths, things that we think we know about protecting our information online in the digital age. But as we've been reminded time and time again, including the recent Cambridge Analytica scandal, nothing is 100% certain anymore. But with some helpful tips from our next guest, you could increase the odds of keeping your private information private. Joining us on the line is Paige Hansen. She is the Chief of Identity Education at Norton. Welcome to the show, Page, Hey,
5: Mark. Thanks for having me.
3: Sure thing. Now, first of all, thank you for letting me interview you for that article last week. You were full of great information. So that was really helpful to uh, let me interview you by phone and over email to help me flesh out that article. So first of all, thanks for that. Before we cover some of the more common privacy myths, a solution to the problem, if you will, let's explain what we're talking about here specifically. When we talk online privacy, Page, we mean we're exposing our information even when we think we're not.
5: Yes. Leaking out just personal details about us once we've either established an account or maybe we're going to uh, put information out there via social media. Mm -hmm.
3: So one thing I get asked is, uh, and this is myth number one, is that using a private browser or sometimes called an incognito mode, uh, by using that option, it keeps your information private and secure. But that's not entirely true.
5: No, not really. See, the goal of private browsing is really to prevent information from being just, just stored on your device. So private browsing will usually what it does is block the history of what you've done or or that specific website from to download cookies. But what it's still doing and what it might do is it might still um, download the files or store the files that you've been to. And keep in mind that that only applies to that specific browsing session. So when you close that window, if you don't reactivate it, you could be pr- giving out personal information.
3: And even though the, where you've been online, including your web history and the cookies, which track you from site to site and what you search for, even though that is scrubbed from the device when you log out of a incognito or private browser, while you're online, your internet service provider can still see what you're doing anyways, right? And they can even sell that data to a third party.
5: They can. Those ISPs are allowed to sell your browsing history. Mm-hmm. So if you value your privacy, you want to learn how maybe to use a VPN, which just is a virtual private network. What this will do is encrypt that Internet history and that traffic so those Internet service providers can't sell your history.
3: Right. So ISPs don't like you using a VPN or virtual private network often because they can't see what you're doing. It lets you browse anonymously, even though they're not 100% foolproof either. But I don't want to go there. But it is better than not using one. So when you use a VPN, and there are some free options out there, uh, it does help you remain private online um, as long as you launch the VPN before you launch the browser. So that's one tip is to stay private by using a VPN and that's related to my second myth, which is it's safe to use public Wi-Fi because, well, everyone does it. Now, tell us why it's not safe to use a public Wi-Fi hotspot at your favorite coffee shop or at a hotel and how a VPN may help you there.
5: Now, is this where we can enter like a buzzer? Like, no, the, the myth, the, the actual
4: that is <laughs> I like that. Myth. That's a good I, idea. I like that,
5: and the only reason why I just really highlight this one is because we are so used to connecting to a Wi-Fi hotspot, free Wi-Fi hotspot. We want to save our data. And really what that means is any information you put out on that network, you can potentially be risking someone to be eavesdropping um, who was on that network. Same network. So, as we mentioned before, you know the, the VPN is really the way that it's going to encrypt all of that website traffic, your usernames, your passwords, where you go, um, in one fell swoop.
3: All right. And if you must use a public Wi-Fi hotspot, your suggestion is to launch that VPN first. And still, I would argue, even if you even if you have that VPN, try to resist doing things where you have to type in your password or username, like doing online banking or online shopping. Not a good idea in a, on a public Wi-Fi hotspot. Wait till you're on a private one at home. Is that it fair? Certainly-
5: it's it's fair um, I mean VPN even when you're using VPN on public Wi-Fi at least it is encrypted but really it's to, to be add to the security is if you are on password protected home mm-hmm. work you know that, that certainly um, gives you added layers of protection
3: uh, another tip I often give Paige and please tell me if you agree or disagree with this one is that if you are tempted to use Wi-Fi when you're out of the home like at a say a Starbucks or at a McDonald's or whatever I would urge people people often to use their own cellular connection to make a personal hotspot out of their smartphone, which is safer than using a public Wi-Fi hotspot. Would you agree?
5: Agree. Uh, oh, okay. Absolutely. Yes. Okay,
3: okay, good. If you have a healthy enough data plan, because it does cost data or use up data. Uh, so that's something you should keep in mind. But it is better than using public Wi-Fi. Now, what if the Wi-Fi has a password? Let's say the hotel says the password to join our Wi-Fi is guest. Is that any safer than not having a password?
5: It is not. So if everyone has the same password, they can potentially view the information (laughs) over that network.
3: I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I tell this to my friends and colleagues all the time. Don't use public Wi-Fi. If you must, just stick to reading the news or checking sports scores. Do not check your Gmail, log into your Snapchat or whatever because you're typing in your password. You don't know if it's really the right network that you think you're joining, Uh, or even if it is, as you said, Paige, you're putting your information at risk because there could be malicious types on the same network work with special tools that can digitally eavesdrop on what you're typing. We'll continue our chat with Norton on Tech It Out when we return.
0: Follow Mark Saltzman on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Listen to Tech It Out whenever you want.
3: Chatting with Paige Hansen, Chief of Identity Education at Norton, about online privacy myths. Now, the third one, Paige, is that your personal data is gone once you delete it from your computer. Why is that not right?
5: Uh, because, you know, once you just delete something, it's, it's still there on your hard drive or potentially your phone. Norton... You really have to wipe it clean or restore factory settings for it not to be available for someone who might want to re-download that information or make it available to them once you've sold your device to them.
3: All right. So if you're planning on getting rid of your laptop, we'll talk about smartphones and tablets in a moment. But let's say you want to get rid of your laptop or desktop, deleting the files and then even emptying your recycling bin is not enough because buried in those zeros and ones, your, your files are still there, whether they're documents or photos or whatnot. So it, oh, easily downloadable re, what's called recovery software tools from the internet can retrieve those so-called deleted files. Um, so if you're going to donate, recycle or sell your laptop or desktop, you're suggesting then pages to download special software that properly wipes the drive clean like eraser would be one example right
5: yes one example you can either erase the entire hard drive or specific files that might be a little bit more sensitive to you
3: okay so eraser is one there's another one i've used in the past called cbl data shredder shredding is often a a slang term for properly wiping a hard drive or flash drive clean Um, and flash drive speaking of which by the way i had an old um SD card that I used in an SLR camera that I had some files uh, corrupted on there. I tried to retrieve it. So I downloaded some recovery software. I found files on that drive, believe it or not, from 2016. So from two years ago, I was able to retrieve deleted videos that I thought I had deleted and even formatted the flash drive. Still didn't get rid of those files, clearly, because I was able to retrieve them. So be aware that if you hit delete, even formatting your device may not do the trick. You want to properly shred that data with software. Some people, page physically destroy a drive before they they recycle that laptop. They take a a drill or a hammer. I I don't recommend it because you could hurt yourself in the process. So good software could do the trick.
5: Absolutely. And just keep in mind, when you are wiping an entire device, the process could take a while. So you want to make sure that if you are interrupt- interrupted to really start that process over again, just mm-hmm. so no files are missed off that hard drive. Yeah.
3: Great tip. And for smartphones and tablets, I know newer ones have encryption. So if you do a factory reset or full restore, it should be okay from what I understand, right?
5: That's the way I understand it yeah. as well.
3: Okay. All right. Let's do one more. One more myth. Common misconceptions about online privacy. And one of them is that it's okay to use the same password for everything if it's a good password. Like, I don't know, 10 characters long with numbers, symbols, uppercase, lowercase. Why is it not a good idea to use that same password for everything?
5: Ah, because once you've used it one place, let's say that particular institution has a breach. Oftentimes, if your username and password are breached, the fraudsters will use that same username and password on multiple sites to try to get total access to your identity, kind of like an account takeover, say, um, Mm. uh, of your identity.
3: So what's the alternative trying to remember a different and complicated password for each of your different profiles? Or what do you think about password managers?
5: Ooh, the idea of a password manager Is something that really eases The consumer side of Trying to remember all of those Complex usernames and passwords And the way a password manager works is You download load to this To your device, you would have one Username and password that would probably be the most Complex, and that password Manager stores and manages The rest of your complex passwords Which makes trying to remember It um, so much easier
3: mm-hmm. And finally, I would also Recommend and I think you would too, Paige, to opt for two step authentication or two factor verification if you can. Maybe we can explain what that means and why that's a good extra layer of defense.
5: So, what this does is uh, it really prevents unauthorized access to your online accounts because you need a second step of verification to say it's actually you. So, you have what the user knows, which is your username and password, then the second step of authentication is something the user has, and what you have have on you is your device this secondary password will text you a code or secondary code mm-hmm. once you type that secondary code into the website you're trying to get access to it'll then grant you access to that website
3: great advice page love it Paige hansen is the chief of identity education at norton and you can see why awesome page thank you so much appreciate your time
5: yeah thanks so much mark
3: Hey, thanks for listening to Tech It Out. One last shout out to my sponsor, if I may. This program is brought to you by Asus, creating technology for today and tomorrow's smart life. Asus, for those in search of incredible, visit asus.com slash US slash radio for more info. That's asus.com forward slash US forward slash radio. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mark underscore Saltzman. That's M-A-R-C underscore s a. LTZMAN Have a great rest of your weekend everyone. Ciao for now.